Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Thursday, March the 17th, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host. Well, let me tell you a little about my co-host. You know, she's my own personal pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, even on those days where there are no rainbows, which is most days. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Sheila. Thanks, David. You too. How come I'm the only one wearing green? And it took a while to find the right shade of green that I could work in front of a green screen wearing. Where's your green? I, that doesn't look like green to me. It's olive. It's, it's green. <laughs> you know, you're, you're so right. I have a beautiful green tie that I bought only for St. Patrick's Day, really. And... How could I have forgotten that? I just I just woke up in a daze. I'm uh, so I uh, I apologize to all those of uh, Irish descent. Uh, this um, red, white, and blue ensemble has nothing to do with a slight against the good people of Ireland. There you You're go. Being racist against my people, David. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Do you celebrate? Are you going to go do something later? I, I'm not because I'm. I just feel exhausted for some reason. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at St. Patrick's Day, New Year's Eve, don't you find there's a bit of amateur hour attached to that, Sheila, that there's this compulsion? Oh, no, I'm a pro. Oh, you're a pro. <laughs> okay. I'm a pro. Don't worry. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, it, it's, it's amazing um, because even woke culture, political correctness, they've got their tentacles into St. Patrick's Day. There was a school, it was somewhere in New England, I remember, it was a few years back, we did something on it. And to make St. Patrick's Day more inclusive, they renamed it O-Green Day. So O-Apostrophe-Green Day. And I thought, you know, that's kind of an Irish thing, you know, the O apostrophe uh, yeah. thing. I mean, there's not a lot of O Mohammeds in the world, right? There's not a lot of O Schmitz in the world, right? So they they don't even know what they're doing, Sheila. You know, they they they, they try to make something more inclusive, and uh, they make it just as exclusive as the original name was, which was never exclusive, anyways, in, in any regard, because anyone. Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we gotta get we gotta get the fact that it's actually a Catholic day right out of there. <laughs> Here's the fun thing: if you don't like St. Patrick's Day, you don't have to actually have anything to do with it. You can just pretend it's you know March 17th, which it is, and just go about your business. Why do you have to un-Catholic it um, and change the name? You know, you're you're 100 percent right. Uh, but there I guess there are some occasions where um, that is the uh, rationale and there are others that have to be rebranded. Uh, the most famous, I think, is Christmas, which is, you know, this special time of year. Happy holidays. Um, you know, dancing around that C word. We don't want to come out and say that C word <laughs> in case anyone gets offended. And, you know, the funny thing is, Sheila, the non-Christians in my life are the very least offended people by saying yeah. Merry Christmas. So again, it goes back to, are these white virtue, virtue signaling liberals uh, yeah. getting around a table, <laughs> you know, fretting about a fix to a problem that doesn't exist? 
Yeah, again, the supply of racism never quite meets the demand (laughs) (laughs) for racism. I'm currently sitting through, um, well, I'm going through access to information documents, some from the CBC um, about their racial diversity quotas. And there's more to this story, but I don't want to give the story away. So stay tuned. It might come out today or tomorrow, next day. But uh, also uh, on the CBSA, so the Canada Border Agency, um, about their unconscious bias training, because, um, even if you're not racist, you're racist, right? Not only do the liberals tell you everything is racist when you're like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm none of those things. Then it's unconscious bias. So you're racist, but you don't know it. So even if you're not, um, thinking racist things or doing racist things somewhere deep in your psyche, you're still racist. You can't escape how racist you are. And the solution for not being overtly racist or even, you know, passively racist is still anti-racism training because that's not a scam. <laughs> Who do they hire to consult in these reports, Sheila? You know, the amazing Kreskin, the great Ravine and assorted other mentalists who can read people's minds. I mean, it's so staggering. And these are the same people that say, well, at least during the last two years of COVID, follow the science, follow the science. And then they re- re- revert to this voodoo, right? Oh, yeah. you're not saying or doing anything racist, but... I can, you got that look in your eye, Sheila. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't like a certain group and I'm calling you out. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's this neat little scam where it's like you create the racism problem. Yeah. And even if you're not racist, you're unconsciously <laughs> racist. So you're, you're like, no, I'm not racist. They're like, ah, that's exactly what an co- unconscious racist might say. You know what we're going to do for you? We're going to fix you. So you, it's the same people shouting that everything is systemically racist that are selling the re-education programs to deal with the um, racism that yes. isn't there. But they have to create the problem to get paid to fix the problem. Neat little scam there. And every government is buying right into it. Oh, unbelievable. Well, Sheila, uh, before we uh, dither away... Uh... Usually about this point in time, you tell the folks out there what the ostensible policy reason is of this live stream show. Yeah, no, we only wasted seven minutes, with it, which is like <laughs> pretty decent. That's average. Um, sometimes it's 15 minutes before we even tell everybody what we're doing here. <laughs> so this is the Rebel News Daily live stream. It used to just be hosted on Friday, just hosted by Ezra Levant. But then the pandemic struck. There was more news than ever, but you could not count on the mainstream media to actually discuss that news because, uh, frankly, they're subsidized to not talk about the news of the day. But that's not us. We thought since the news is breaking and changing every single day, one of the best ways to address the news is to sit down and talk about it as it happens. So that's how the live stream expanded from just Friday to five workdays. And uh, Ezra is too busy running Canada's largest independent media company most days to sit down and do the live stream. However, we have an excellent stable of hosts um, that uh, run the show uh at least four days of the week. Sometimes Ezra pops in though. So always make sure that you're watching because you never know when you're going to get surprised from him. So this used to be a great way, not only for us to interact with each other, but to David, you look bored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <not at> <laughs> but for our <laughs> viewers to interact with us 
<laughs> and support the work that we do completely willingly through something called a super chat on YouTube. But Biden got elected, the mask slipped, big tech didn't have to pretend anymore, and they demonetized us completely. So there's no way for you to support us on YouTube. And it's really only a matter of time before we're gone from YouTube altogether. Um, but we're staying there because they don't want us there. However, we are also simultaneously broadcasting on other platforms, Getter. We're live streaming on Getter. I think this is the fourth week that we're doing that. And we're also on Rumble, Odyssey, and SuperU. And all three of those free speechy platforms allow you to support the work that we do. Um, on Rumble, you can leave us a Rumble rant. That's what they call their paid chat, and we will read it on air. On Odyssey, you can leave us a hyper chat. Again, that's their paid chat. We'll read it on air. You pay us, we'll say it. And on Super U, it's a Super U shout. So if you want to have your say, great. Send us a paid chat. We'll read it on air. If it's a story idea, a question, a comment, maybe you don't like my tattoos, you don't like my hair, whatever, send it to me in a message. I'll read it. Uh, we leave the comments on. <laughs> Well, Sheila, thank you so much for that. And, you know, the first uh, topic on the docket here, I had to read it three times because I couldn't believe what I was reading. The Calgary police are oh, concerned that <laughs> the, the freedom rallies in that city are taking on an underlying anti-democratic angle. You know, Sheila, the Calgary Police Service, um, speaking about... The pastor arresting maniacs at the Calgary Police Service. Exactly <laughs> at the uh, the taser um, drawing um, officers for the, the the hockey player. Those cats talking about anti-democratic angles to freedom protests. It's kind of like, you know, the fox wanting to consult with the uh, farmer for the design of the hen house. I mean, are you kidding me? These guys are a threat to democracy. Uh, Sheila, what do you make of this? Because what, what this is all about, of course, is that um, I don't know this district, but people in Calgary would. Um, Beltline and 17th Avenue, uh, the Calgary police are asking people to stay away we want our downtown to be a safe and welcoming place, and we need your help to make that happen. Well, Sheila, these are peaceful protests. <laughs> and Sheila, tell me this. Two years ago, this would the Calgary Police Service have issued a tweet about, oh, I don't know, Black Lives Matter protests going to this intersection? Would they be going, can you stay away? Uh, your presence is not welcoming here. Give me a break. Um, who is their communications person? Because that <laughs> was one of the most idiotic tweets I've seen come out of a police service. And I pay attention to the UK police where they brag about taking knitting needles off old ladies. Oh. And I pay very close attention to the Ottawa police, which are terrible. And their communications people are awful too. And they should hang their heads in shame. That Sorry, can we just bring that tweet back up? Because they, it's simultaneously hilarious and ridiculous all at the same time. <laughs> so uh, we are asking people, anyone who intends to protest in the Beltline and 17th Avenue to stay away because we want our downtown to be safe and welcoming. You can't tell people to stay away and then say that you want downtown to be welcoming. Those things are opposites, you lunatics. But this is a protest. That has been. I've been to it. I covered it just about every week before Adam came on board with the company. That's how long it's been going on. It's peaceful every single week. They've been marching 
for two years without mm. incident. Sure, maybe they might be getting a little bit tedious, but that's not illegal. That's and right. and you can be tedious in a public place. That's fine. Nobody, that's not something for the police to deal with. The only time this even got a little frisky down there was when the anti-freedom protesters, I would call them the pro-lockdown protesters, yeah showed up last week and the police in their ineptitude kettled everybody into the same uh, intersection, which is a policing problem, not a protester problem. I think they both have the right to be there. But the only time this ever became a problem was when the pro-lockdown protesters showed up at, you know, and the demonstrators down there, it's a hundred to one just about for freedom versus pro-lockdown protesters based on SID's footage from last week. And it was those, that little pocket of pro-lockdown, pro-government control people, they're the ones who caused all the problems. Now the police, instead of saying, you know what, these guys have been doing this piece, you know, if this is, if democracy is first come, first serve, and I don't think it is, but let's just concede that it is for the sake of argument here. If it is first come, first serve, those people were there first being peaceful. The aunties can wait till they walk by. Yeah, that's that's the solution here. If that's the solution we have to go about, or the anti the anti freedom people, they could just behave themselves. Oh, because what a concept. that's all we're asking them to do. This guy's my favorite, by the way. <laughs> let's roll sound on this guy. And rewind, because he's excellent. I love him. These left-wing lunatics, and they're... Oh, I just noticed I'm an openly gay conservative. There's more Blacks, Asians on our side than there is on their side. Their diversity is... They have every shade of white over there. I'm proud to be a gay conservative. I am not with these left-wing lunatics, and they're making up facts and believing it without knowing any of us. These, like, this is the hypocrisy here. Antifa, I call them anti-fashion sense. <laughs> uh, and can I ask you, do you have any inkling, like, what are they counter-protesting? You know, they're protesting against freedom. Yeah. They do not like freedom. Like, my message is, if you want to wear a mask, wear one. You don't want to wear a mask, don't wear it. These are promoting oppression, fascism, communism, authoritarianism. That is the funniest thing here. So I just know. So, I want that guy to be the police chief of Calgary. He's got oh, more sense than Mark Newfeld. Isn't he fantastic? And Sheila, what what is the mask rule in Alberta right now? Wear one if you want. There are, okay. <laughs> there, and there are no mask rules. So you again. You can tell people's politics by the fact that they're wearing a mask outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I don't care. I feel a little bit sorry for you that you're still living in fear. But wear one, I don't care. I think that's generally everybody's opinion. Yeah. But don't force your politics, because that's what this is about, onto everybody else. Yeah. I don't understand. Like The people are marching in the streets in Calgary because Alberta is still not free, because people have still lost their jobs because of the vaccine passport. People cannot fly or take a train internally in our own country because of the vaccine passport. There's a lot still to protest down there. And in fact, actually, maybe we'll I'm, I'm sort of springing this on our uh, producers. But even in Alberta, where we 
are probably the most free place in the country right now. If you are symptomatic for COVID, which means the sniffles, but you test negative. So even if you have a negative test, you are still legally required to isolate. So you go under house arrest in the freest place in the if you have a cold and not COVID. Unbelievable. And we have the we have a clip of the um public health necromancer Dina Hinshaw saying that the other day. <laughs> so there's that's still a reason to protest. Stuffed up nose. Um, for other reasons. I may have a stuffed up nose for the rest of my life, but according to Dina Hinshaw, I'm supposed to be under house arrest. Come and get me, Dina, by the way. I'll be out and about. I'll be touring around. It doesn't matter. Mm. Come and catch me. Um, I'm like a leprechaun. It's St. Patrick's Day. You'll never catch me. <laughs> um, but legally, in Alberta, I'm supposed to be isolating. Well, indeed, let's see what the necromancer has to say. <laughs> also, as a reminder, if you are symptomatic and test negative, you are still legally required to isolate until all symptoms are gone. The COVID-19 assessment tool at ahs.ca slash COVID screen is available to help determine what type of care is needed based on your symptoms. Also, as a reminder, if you were Isn't symptomatic crazy? and test negative. Can you even believe, like, you have a negative test, but you uh, you cleared your throat a little too aggressively in the Walmart, and you are legally required to go home and isolate. It's crazy. I, like I said, I have a congenital problem with my sinuses, so I constantly have a stuffed-up nose or a runny nose, and... Apparently, according to the Alberta government, I'm a scoff law by going to get groceries. Unbelievable. Uh, Sheila, clearly, I think these people just want this to go on, even if there yep. is no science to support it. And uh, the reason why I asked about the mask law, because in Ontario uh, on Monday, the mask law disappears. And, I, you know, I'm. it's going to be very interesting starting on Monday when there's no legal requirement uh, for most places, because if you're on public transit, hospitals, long-term care health, you'll still have to wear the mask. But everything else, it's uh, it's back to um, uh, 2019. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who still diapers up, you know, in the public square, because then you know what their politics are uh, without even having a conversation, right? I mean, it, and also what I want to understand is that if the chief medical health officer has said, that's it, don't need the mask anymore, thanks for listening to me the last two years, well, then what makes the person still donning a mask? And by the way, you're free to do so. I, I don't know why you'd want to, but still. But what makes that person think, ostensibly, Sheila, that they know more about virology than the chief medical health officer? Because for two years, we've been told these are the experts, follow them, they know who's who in the zoo. Yeah, maybe they're coming around to my way of thinking, though, but just just on the other side where I'm like, I'm pretty sure these people don't know what they're doing. Um, and I'm not I'm not altogether sure why I have to listen to them because they keep changing their advice all the time. So this is just the flip side of the same coin where they're looking at these people saying you've changed your mind 20 times. Um, but unlike me, they are content to live in fear. So they're just go going to now overreact in the other direction where I'm always happy to overreact in uh, the direction of freedom, I guess, is how I would describe that. But this is just, I, I guess it's a symptom of 
how little the public on both sides of the argument now trust our public health authorities because they just spent the last two years nuking their own credibility. Yeah. And Sheila, speaking of public uh, health, uh, maybe Olivia can uh, cue this up. Uh, it was based on our visit to the Radisson last week, the infamous uh, Radisson Toronto East Hotel. I shouldn't call it Radisson. It was deflagged several months ago. The head office in uh, Minnesota wanted nothing to do with this hotel. But uh, they are putting up um, refugees there uh, on the taxpayer uh, tab. And we were there, that is to say, uh, Isabel and I, just to do the victory lap. Uh, people might recall that uh, the employee there, David Strong, jeez, what a surname. Uh, Radisson Strangler, I call him. Yeah, got <laughs> triggered and decided he would physically assault us and try to uh, uh, vandalize our equipment. Mm -hmm. And uh, we won a $1,000 reward from small claims court. Um, it wasn't about the money, obviously. It was about telling people out there, Sheila, um, because it happens far too often, quite frankly, that, you know, you might disagree with us. Uh, that's fine. But you can't cross that line of getting handsy with our people and our equipment. That's just unacceptable and it's illegal. And we will go after you in court. But here's the thing. We were there and I said, um, maybe what we should do, Isabel, is just do some streeters of the people that live there. I'm not confident because I've done this in the past. And nobody wants to talk. They've been um, media trained, uh, air quotes, uh, not to speak to anyone with a microphone. And then and that was the case with the first four people we spoke to. They had no comment. And then the fifth one, this lady, Nora. Oh, my gosh. Did she open up a window in terms of what's going on in that hotel? And uh, well, I, I won't spoil it, but let's just say it is no. filthy. It is. Mm -hmm. It has infestations of bedbugs and cockroaches. And the reason why I bring this up, Sheila, is that we have people walking into a store without a mask, getting fined fifteen hundred dollars, whatever it is. And that's so, you know, so urgent for the city right. Toronto Public we Health treat, Unit. We treat our fellow healthy citizens like they are cockroaches. Yes. And meanwhile, where there is a real health issue and and, you know, I think, Sheila, I think I speak for you in this, wherever you stand on the ideological uh, scale of whether we should be bringing in refugee claimants or not. That's one thing. The thing is, if you are going to bring them in, uh, you know, you have to give them the the, de the basic treat them like human beings, treat them yeah. like human beings. And folks, uh, without further ado, let me uh, throw to that video and just will you see the conditions at this Radisson Hotel? Shocking. Deem Mr. Strong to be uh, assaulting us and trying to damage our equipment. But as we were packing up to go, we encountered a lady who is a resident of this hotel. This hotel is basically exclusively for refugees and refugee claimants. She's here from Lebanon, she told us. She's with her three kids. And man, did she paint a dire picture indeed about the conditions in this hotel. Check out our interview with her. Hi, Hi ma'am, how you doing? I'm living the life. Living the life, eh? Do you stay at this hotel, ma'am? What do you speak about? What do you want to speak about it? Hi. Oh, I was just wondering what it's like to be it's not here. It's a human. 
Pardon me? It's not for a human. It's not for a human? No. And ma'am, what, what is your name? My name is Noura Kremli. I'm Lebanese. My okay. age is 35 years old. And you say you have three kids then, right? Thir three, 13 and 7 and 6. Two girls and boys. Can you describe the conditions inside the hotel, ma'am? It's too dirty. It's too germs. And the food, it's... Uh, no one he can eat it, I think so. You should to cook for your kids maybe sometime. If you fight for your kids, you cannot cook in the washroom. I was asking since I arrived here to deport with my three kids as I come safe. I need few surgery in my face. I need surgery, surgery, surgery here. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Okay, and I'm not able to go back to my country. I'm not able to have a house or rent or apply for my new PR again. Okay, I wish someone to hear me. I wish all the world to say sorry for my kids' life, how they're living. That's like the cockroaches jumping in the food. Cockroaches in the I food? Have I have videos. I have video approved. I have all my body approved. Wow. Wow. Good life. Good life in Canada. Anyone here would like to live that's my kid's life? He would like to have that life for his kids inside Canada. I have videos my coffee inside of it, cockroaches. When you complain about the the dirt, the bugs, what do they say? They tried to clean one time last year. After when I saw the owner, I said, oh my goodness, that's you, you owner? I said, outside, it's better I clean more in inside. Unbelievable. If you see my face here, I have bad bugs. I have bad bugs here. Oh, bad bugs too? Yes, garbage. People knifing each other, guns, crack, cocaine, smoking more stuff. You don't need to around be around people or kids, okay? We had lockdown. They offered the food in the garbage pan. I said, oh, what? Yeah, in the garbage pan. We will not die from only COVID. We will have disease. I wish to go back with my kids as I come because that's not life for my kids. I need a few surgery and no one hearing that. Not the human right how they're showing, not the kids protector or the refugee or something. They're dealing with me. I don't know who I am, Canadian or refugee. I don't know. Personally speaking, I don't think there's any excuse in the 20... That's gross. Yeah. You know, uh, like you say, David, no matter where you fall down on the refugee issue or how this woman came to be inside of our country, maybe we could take some of the health cops off of the protester beat and deal with some of these disgusting places like this because I've seen the invoices. The Canadian taxpayer is paying damn good money to these hotels and they should not look like this. A hundred percent, Sheila. And I just think about, you know, the when it comes to your priorities, how misplaced they are in the city of Toronto, we've had parks in the last two summers where the city officials have spray painted social distancing circles. You can only have six in a circle and you must be socially distant. They roped distant. off the trees, remember? That's, <laughs> yeah, John Tory uh, turned uh, High Park during guy. cherry blossom season into... Um, you know, basically East Berlin, circa 1946, uh, where everything was fenced off. And meanwhile, there is this cesspool going on 
Now, we read, see, and here's my theory, and I have no way to prove it because, as you know, I did reach out to the hotel. And, folks, you got to watch the video. It was the shortest interview in uh, Rebel News history, I think. It was, uh, hello, yes, hi, uh, um, this is David Menzies, Rebel News speaking. Click. Uh, <laughs> so, my theory, Sheila, is this the occupancy is 100% at this hotel, right? Yeah. And you're probably getting, I'm guessing, full rack rate and the government's yep. paying it. And you don't even have to market. You don't have to promote yourself. My feeling is if I'm the owner of this property, why am I paying $1 for a fumigator to come in? Why am I buying even cleaning products at Dollarama to get the filth off the walls, because that's just all money out. I'm in a situation where it's money in. I'm not in a competitive environment with other hotels anymore. And um, that, but having said that, the city, which has a department called Toronto Public Health, you can't yeah. allow this to happen. And now that you know about it, and it's been four days now since they've known about it, and my God, Sheila, talk about how the city and the bureaucracy in general operates at glacier-like speed, yeah. right? It, yeah, yeah. We're and if you try to serve somebody a sandwich without checking their Vax Pass, they send the cops in that afternoon. Pretend this place is an illegal barbecue restaurant. Oh, Deal with it that beautiful. way. A hundred percent. Yeah. Then Eileen DeVille gets all the king's horses and all the king's men yeah. to come trotting into uh, Adamson Barbecue. Um, great point. And yet here is a bona fide health issue. You can't have that kind of vermin. I mean, we're in a 21st century Western nation, Sheila. This is completely unacceptable. And I can't even get answers. But don't worry, folks, we're that's not the end. We're following up on this. This was a cosmic fluke that we were in the right place at the right time when this lady came by and told us about all these conditions. And uh, it is unacceptable and it has to be um, altered for sure. I'm just looking to see if you can uh, report this as a COVID infraction <laughs> through the tips line in Toronto and maybe they'll actually have somebody come out. Oh. Um, reporting non-compliance, City of Toronto for COVID. So you can report non-compliance. Um, they will send somebody out right away. Um, but this is allowed to go on. Uh, and it, this is the most vulnerable amongst us, right? Could you imagine? That? I, I might even do a gag, uh, you know, phone call, Sheila, where I phone Toronto Public Health. And yeah, it's about COVID uh, compliance. There are some cockroaches at the Radisson that are not wearing their mask. <laughs> They're not social distancing. <laughs> social the distancing. cockroaches are what? not social distancing from the children in the hotel. The infestation is so bad, Sheila, that Nora told me this anecdote. I can't get it out of my mind. In which they ordered a pizza, they opened the lid to the pizza box, and a cockroach jumped from someplace, jumped right into the. This is with. This is how emboldened the vermin are. There. I mean, there's people there. The lights are on, and they're literally jumping into your food. How is this acceptable? It's not. Who are the neighbors in the hotel? Raccoons? Like, why don't we just invite everybody in? All the vermin. I think, you know, if you had a, a few suites with raccoons in it, they'd probably eat cockroaches. They'd, they'd be the nicest rooms know, in I've the building. I've never seen one. <laughs> 
I'm fascinated by them, but I've never seen them. They are beautiful when animals. To- They're smart animals. They're so innovative. And, um, you know, the thing about and the Toronto raccoon, Sheila, it's a subspecies onto itself. Yeah. You know, it has learned to live off garbage. It's like uh, the way they hunt. It's like you and I going to the Mandarin buffet. <laughs> they go from garbage can to garbage can. Not, not that I'm saying that the Mandarin is garbage. It's quite tasty food there. But what I'm saying, it's like a buffet. <laughs> Don't send letters. He takes it back. <laughs> and they're bigger than a country raccoon. Yeah. They live longer. They're fatter. They have uh, bigger litters. And the scam of the century, I might have said this before, you phone up the wildlife removal company, <laughs> and by law, they can only relocate the raccoon they capture 0.9 of a kilometer away. By the way, isn't that so insane? Why not just make it an even kilometer? Why 0.9? where he came from. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens, Sheila. You think these smart animals, when you put them 900 meters away, you don't think they can find it back to their personal gravy train? Unbelievable. So they're beautiful, but they're so annoying. <laughs> I've watched several documentaries on raccoons because we don't have them here. It's too hmm. cold for them. I've never actually seen one in the wild. And when, when before the biomedical police state prevented me from going to <laughs> Toronto, um, I, uh, I would go out for my run. I would wait till like dusk. So that I would try to catch a raccoon so that I could come across a raccoon. And everybody warned me that I should be kind of frightened of them because they're kind of aggressive um, if you come across them. But I would go out looking for raccoons. And I saw black squirrels, which we don't have here either. Those were very fascinating, too. I took pictures and sent them home to my kids. It was like another world, Toronto. (laughs) But you have what, gray squirrels there? They're red. Red. So why can't the – what is so different about the physiology of a black squirrel – Compared to a red squirrel that a black squirrel can't inhabit inhabit Alberta, Sheila. I don't know, but they're your black squirrels are enormous. Like they're <laughs> enormous. Ours are like this big. <laughs> um, anyways, I wanted yeah. to get back. Uh, thank you for that um, meander into complete nonsense, by the way. It's what <laughs> we do. It's what we do. I want to go back to the Calgary police because I just saw out of the corner of my eye uh, two videos from uh, – Mark Newfeld, the pastor arresting uh, absolute tyrant in Calgary. That's the police chief there. Um, first one, I think it was, it's cut. If you look, um, Olivia, if you look back in our chat thread, it was cut by Kean, And it says, uh, the chief says, anti-democratic group. That's what he's calling the freedom protesters. An anti-democratic group is pushing the limits of section two of the charter. That's your limit. That's your uh, free speech rights, your rights to protest, free association. You know, the, all the things that you get to do in a free society. Well, uh, police state Mark Newfeld, uh, he says that if you're out protesting, you're pushing it. So maybe let's roll that if we have it. I think these protesters are uh, from the anti-democracy group are actually pushing the limits of section two of the charter. And that's how we ended up seeing things like, uh, you know, Freedom Convoy, Freedom Rodeo, Freedom Breakfast, this type of thing. This is much different. This is a different type of protest that we've seen in the past. We thought they would stop and they won't. And now they're articulating that basically we want to do whatever we want to do. And so our job is to figure out how we sort of bring in section one, which is about placing reasonable limits on those, um, those abilities to protest. 
in the interests of community safety and well-being. So, right. Um, explain this to me, Sheila. How is this group called anti-democratic by this police chief when their reason for being out there demonstrating is that they want their democratic rights and freedoms restored, not taken away? What is his definition of anti-democratic? Because it doesn't make any sense as far as what he just said there. This guy is some kind of Orwellian maniac. It's the same thing as saying, we're trying to be welcoming by telling you people to stay away. Yeah. This is him saying, you know, like, that you're undemocratic but for exercising your democratic rights. <laughs> and your crime here is peacefully exercising your charter rights. So let's try to limit them. And he's the guy calling other people undemocratic. Yeah. It is your right in a Western free democracy to protest the government peacefully, which yeah. is exactly what these people are doing. It's exactly what they've been doing for two years. And again, I reiterate, there has never been a problem, not one, until the handful of ragtag mask-wearing fascists showed up and said, get out of our community. Well, they don't know where any of these um, pro-democracy, I'll call them, you know, the anti-lockdown people, you don't know where they live, but I'm pretty sure Calgary's their community. And you're allowed to roam freely around Calgary, by the way. You don't have to stay in your quadrant. Um, you know, this isn't East Germany uh, and West Germany. This isn't East Berlin and West Berlin. If you live in Calgary, if you live in Canada, if you live in Alberta, no part of Calgary is off limits to you. Go, roam, protest, be peaceful, and completely ignore Chief Mark Newfeld because he is the guy who thinks that it's democracy to go around arresting pastors and arresting Tim Stevens in front of his crying children and all these high-profile takedowns of Pastor Art Pulowski for the crime of opening his church. That's Mark Newfeld for you. That's the guy who's now deciding. Now, it, people say Sheila. There's no such thing as a slippery slope, but there's a big snowball rolling down that hill and it's getting bigger and bigger. And it started with the pastors and it started with the tickets at the anti-lockdown protests at yep. the beginning. And now they've decided you absolutely do not even have a right to protest in Calgary. We are going to go out of our way to limit it. That's what he said in that crazy statement. I don't know how he's the mayor or the He's not the mayor. He's acting like the mayor, but she's worse than him. But I don't know how this guy's a police chief. I have no idea. But if that guy in Ottawa can be a police chief, this guy can be a police chief too. You know, you Give me took, the gay conservative. He should be the police chief. <laughs> you, 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 you took the words right out of my mouth, Sheila, in terms of forget about Chief Newfield. Where do you feel where the mayor stands in on this? Uh, she's all in in terms of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She sent a letter to the police commission asking for increased enforcement. First, she says, oh, you know, there's a separation between police and uh, council and we can't direct them to do things. But let me send a letter to the police commission telling them to direct the police to do things. What so, a joke. What a joke. Exactly. This is I, I mean, I think, you know, we're going to have very busy lawyers over at the Democracy Fund. I think, yeah. um, coming out of Calgary. And where's Jason Kenney on this? Um, Again. 
Again, this police chief is acting like he's the police chief of Hong Kong preventing protests. This is Calgary. This is, you know, strong and free. That's our motto. Not strong and uh, reasonably limited, according to Mark Newfeld. Unbelievable. Well, Sheila, moving on. Uh, no, we have one more. We have one more clip from Mark Newfeld. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. He says, this is one that just got cut. I see Yankee posted it. Um, Calgary police say there are professional protesters on both sides of the city's recent demonstrations, putting his officers in a no-win situation. Um, hmm. And it, it sound, the Yankee says this video that he clipped here mentions Rebel News. Huh. Oh. Let's see. <laughs> Not talking about, you know, the homogenous group, because I would suggest to you that, that both groups are anything but homogenous. We've heard stories that, uh, that, you know, the residents are out there, and these are all residents of the Beltline. That is not the information that I have. Uh, I certainly would agree that there's residents of the Beltline and maybe business owners participating due to their frustration, and that would be understandable. But there are also professional protesters out there as well. Uh, there are people out there who want to promote <laughs> conflict here, and they would do anything to get their Kodak moment and to get their post. And that, that goes for the other side too. I would suggest to you that this was a damned if you do and damned if you don't, no win for the police, because the bottom line is, if they ended up having to use uh, any force against the one side, of course, you know, we know how that turned out, right? They're targeting and they're supporting one side and not the other. If there was force used against the other side, which there has been in previous protests too, may I remind you, uh, then we hear that our officers are Nazis and this type of thing. And this gets all over the right side, rebel media and freedom and that sort of thing. So, and that's okay. Nobody is suggesting that, you know, the police uh, shouldn't be subject to that sort of criticism. We all know how that works. But the reality of it is there was no winning on this one. And when you get two groups coming together like this, who seem to be uh, pitted on having conflict, there, there is going to be no win. Sheila, how dare, you... how dare we show the world how he's behaving? How dare we show the world how they treat pastors yeah. and, and drag them away in front of their kids or arrest them on wet city streets like they're El Chapo? How dare we? You know what? I know Mark Newfeld is watching and I think you're terrible. How's that? Yeah. You know what else, Sheila? I couldn't help but notice, uh, his use of the phrase Kodak moment. Maybe what there's like two this? generations of people that have no idea what the hell he just said. It's basically this, folks. Kodak used to be a Fortune 500 company. It made uh, film <laughs> developing paper. And then uh, things like this came along and Kodak went away. But uh, obviously, uh, this guy's still stuck in the uh, early 90s or something like that. But yeah, um, what do you make of his reference to us, Sheila? Um, it, it was, it was he trying to demean us in a certain way, do you think? Well, I think so. Now I've never called uh, the cops Nazis. However, um, Pastor Art Pelosky has, and I think he, um, might be the only person I think could get away with that given, um, where he comes from in Poland and his treatment at the hands of Calgary city police. He does call them Nazis. He does call them fascists. Um, but I don't think we've ever said that. Now, you can tell that he's touchy because we often treat the police's behavior like wildlife photography. We stand back <laughs> and we just let them 
do their thing. And oftentimes it's awful. Now, sometimes the cops are great. Um, and, you know, even at these freedom protests, they walk by, they thank the cops for blocking traffic so that they can go past. Um, so to say that there's a, an adversarial relationship with the cops at these um, freedom protests, completely not true. But you can tell Mark Newfeld is touchy because we have been critics of bad cops in Calgary, in Ottawa, wherever there are bad cops, we're going to call them out because I think it's incumbent on us to call out the bad cops because the bad cops are trading on the reputations of the good cops to get away with the things that they do. And I think that's gross. And so Mark Newfeld, he's got a problem with bad cops doing bad things. And that's not me. That's not a me problem. That's a Mark Newfeld problem. And he shouldn't be mad at us because we expose it. He should be dealing with it. And, you know, and that's very important to note, Sheila, that no matter what the police service is, well, with maybe the exception of the Montreal Police Service, I don't know if there's any good cops there, but I digress. But there are good cops. And yeah. I can tell you, my last visit to Ottawa for the Freedom Convoy, when I bumped into a fellow off-duty RCMP uh, in plain clothes, um, I'm not going to give his name, of course, it would be a career-limiting move, but he came up to me and he said, what happened to me in December in Toronto with uh, his fellow officers who were part of uh, Justin Trudeau's henchman brigade, uh, he has never been more embarrassed to be a member of the RCMP. It just blew me away. So, yeah, you can't paint them all with the same brush. No. But when you see a guy like this chief uh, and what he says, that's really disturbing because, well, he's the chief. Yeah. I wonder the size of the file he has on our journalists in Calgary, you know, oh. I'm very curious about that. Um, well, you remember, it, you know, and in case people think, oh, listen to Sheila, you know, what, what a conspiracy nut. No, as we discovered two, two years ago when uh, what was it called? Afro-Indigenous Rising occupied illegally Nathan Phelps Square, turned it into a tent city sewer. Um, what we discovered in our freedom of information request later, folks, was that they were compiling a dossier. No, not on the squatters, not on the people on using you. drugs, not on the people defecating and urinating on public square, but on us right down to weight, eye color. It was like, you know, Sheila was absolutely surreal. And by the way, how with a with a zoom lens, how, how can you estimate somebody's weight? I think there were some very upset people with their guesstimates of what they weighed. <laughs> you seem pretty touchy about it. Honestly, <laughs> um, we uh, getting back to your before we move on to chats because it's uh, we have 14 minutes left in the show. Um, getting back to your point about the good cops, my problem with bad cops and bad police chiefs and bad leadership is that the good cops quietly leave the force because they can't say anything while they're in the force yeah. and they get demoralized. They say, this isn't what I signed up for. I don't want to work with a bunch of idiots that I don't trust to have my back. Um, and I don't trust the chief. The chief isn't upholding civil liberties. So they just quietly retire. They yeah. take early retirement. They make a lateral move into private security or whatever. They just go on to other things. And I think everybody knows a cop like that. I know I do. Um, oh. And, and that leaves 
only the bad guys on the force. That's my problem. You're so right. And Sheila, the number of times when I want a cop to be a whistleblower and I get this speech, which is essentially, Dave, I'm four years away from retirement. Bingo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After that, I'll look you up. We'll sit down over a coffee. I'll let you yeah. know everything you know. But to even talk about this right now would uh, would get me fired. So even when they're agents for change is what I'm getting at, Sheila, yeah. it can be career limiting for them. Yeah. And but uh, they can take a knee at Black Lives Matter. That oh, show yeah. of political support is perfectly fine. You can take a knee in support of an, an, an avowed Marxist organization that yep. is against the traditional family. That's perfectly fine because yep. it aligns with Justin Trudeau's values. And so naturally it aligns with your political police chief's values. That's fine. But if you say something like, I'm not sure that I should be cracking the heads of these peaceful protesters, you are on uh, unpaid leave. Yeah, and right let's away. not forget, Justin Trudeau himself took a knee, which is kind of odd, Sheila, because essentially he is the prime minister of the Dominion of Canada. So when you're taking the knee as prime minister, you're taking the knee against yourself, right? Yeah, like when, when these liberals won't shut up about systemic racism and I'm looking at them like you guys are the system. This is yeah. the system you built and you're currently oh. in charge of the system. If it's systemically racist change it but they just this is what they do instead yeah. and i would argue it's not systemically racist i mean it is it, in the liberal party it definitely is because you can do blackface multiple times and still be the prime minister so call Isn't me crazy that, but i feel like that's systemic racism a little bit it's a little bit <laughs> you know you just nailed it again sheila when the question of the day have been for the mainstream media but they never ask a question like this uh, Mr. Prime Minister, in you taking a knee in support of Black Lives Matter, are you also denouncing those persons that shall be remained nameless who put blackface on them <laughs> to mock black people? <laughs> that never gets That old. lady, she definitely had a black handprint on her chest for sure. Um, and she lives in South Carolina, and both I and Kian Bexty at the time, we went down there, um, and for whatever reason, uh, she would not come on camera and uh, talk about that. But, um, yeah, we tried to track down uh, the people that were at that event. Uh, that I think people are just terrified to speak ill oh, about sure. him. For sure. I mean, we saw what they did to a CBC reporter when he asked the— Oh, yes. Or he asked the— Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland um, about, you know, isn't this just sort of a stupid photo op? Like, don't you have things to be dealing with at home? I'm paraphrasing here. Um, and but it was a was completely fair question. Totally. Yeah. Because even after the fact, you see these like highly produced campaign style ads about Justin Trudeau on his European junket, um, where I'm pretty sure they didn't actually do or say anything of value. Um he asked a good question and he's from the CBC. He's one of them. And they just basically ate him alive for two days and accused him of working for the rebel. And so I don't know if he must be him. new. We're taking applications <laughs> all the time, friends. So if you get tired of working inside the machine, work against it. Well, Sheila, I see we have less than 10 minutes to go. So do you have some chats for us, my friend? I do. Okay, so we've got uh, G Melinda G sixty. 
sends us a chat, five bucks. And I think this is American money oh. because she says Rebel News is awesome. My very favorite news source and I live in Texas. Oh, what a great state that is. Yeah. I think the Houston Rodeo just wrapped up. Did it not? Fun. Did I ever fun, tell you fun, about fun. the time I was at uh, Smoky Lake? Yes. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. You had fun when you were in Alberta. You had to pick trash to pay off a fine, and you almost I did yourself on for a two bowl. days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alberta memories. <laughs> yep. We try to break you. That's basically what we do. When you oh, you here, succeeded. Just... <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> AMT60 gives us a buck. Says, I'm racist against anyone in the World Economic Forum, our prime minister, and politicians that are for the lockdowns, mandating the deathly vaxes. I'm just reading the chat, YouTube, so just don't uh, don't nuke us. And public health doctors refusing public debate on the science with real Canadian doctors. Hmm. Uh, Kane and Mark gives us two bucks. Hi there, David. It's it's BLM are the ones blocking 17th Ave in Calgary. Oh, probably. And as the our gay conservative uh, in that video pointed out, they are several different shades of white. <laughs> yeah, absolutely incredible, isn't it, Sheila? Oh, he was so funny. That guy, though, when I he said uh, they're they're antifa. I like to call them anti-fashion sense. Anti-fashion. <laughs> 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 oh, by the way, someone asked for an update. Speaking of Calgary. An update on our Calgary office. I know we're getting quite a few emails oh, um, right. about our uh, Calgary office. And friends, we do have something pretty serious in the works. And as soon as we're able to give an update, we will. But do not think that we are not working feverishly on a Calgary office. And uh, as soon as we have some very concrete things to tell you about, I promise we will. But it, very exciting things are happening in the background. It's certainly a good time to buy um, Calgary real estate, isn't it, uh, Sheila, and Alberta real estate? And you know what? That's kind of a, a bittersweet news item because the reason it's a good time is due to our federal energy policies uh, regarding uh, pipeline uh, development, leases, uh, carbon taxes, what have you. We have all that mineral wealth underground in Alberta and uh, can't get it out. It, it is It's shocking. It is a good time to buy right now in Alberta because unlike the rest of the country, uh, war and high gas prices, that is good for us. And so we're actually in a budgetary surplus after, I don't know, eight years of economic catastrophe. So that's a budgetary surplus, even with, um, you know, the revolving door of lockdowns and shutdowns and all those things, because the price of fuel is so high, the price per barrel of oil is high. So we are going to see, I think, real estate prices go up and up and up um, because we are recovering and pretty quickly. And I think Jason Kenney's counting on that. Yeah. Uh, Shauna Marie G83, a buck. I just received an email from Belinda Carahelios, which included a link to a petition to stop Bill 67 and critical race theory in our schools at stopwoke.ca. Please sign and share. And on that note, uh, Shauna, our colleague Dakota did a sit-down interview yeah. with Belinda on that. You might want to uh, uh, get on to our website and check out that interview. It was really good. Yeah. He's got such a great broadcasting voice, and it's just natural to him. Hmm. Strange. I can be shrill. Um, <laughs> G. Melinda G. 60 uh, gives us two bucks. You're trying to make me pray for no rainbow. We can't lose our leprechaun. 
And then she sends us some shamrocks. Uh, Paul Otto Newman, uh, five bucks. Does Rebel plan to cover the April 9th? Yes, we do. Leadership review live. I'm not sure if we're going to do it live, but we will have our uh, Calgary team at the leadership review. It would be great to see Ezra back in Alberta covering what I think could be history in the making. Um, again, biomedical police state has prevented that. So, um, but we will have our uh, rebel team in Calgary for, or I think it's Red Deer actually for that. So I know Adam's attending. I think K2 is attending. I might take a poke on down too. Uh, that might be fun um, to see what's happening there and just, uh, it will definitely be counter-protested uh, by the public sector unions, as they always tend to do at the UCP AGMs. And uh, I think last time I was punched in the back by a man. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's the, nothing to laugh that? about. Do you remember no. that, though? I was outside with Key and Bextie in the uh, counter-protest, and uh, a man punched me in the back. You know... I'm always shocked, Sheila, by this, the sheer entitlement that I don't like what you're saying, so I have carte blanche to break the law. That's assault. And yeah. how, did that, how did that story end, uh, by the way? Did we ever find out who that was? No, uh, because it was like minus 30, so he had his face all covered up, and um, everybody really looks the same at minus 30 because it's like toque. This much of your eyes are showing a uh, balaclava and it, he was a guy. And so he was, you know, about 5'10". Every guy is about 5'10". Um, and so he just sort of ran off into the crowd. And CTV had uh, their journalists literally five feet from me. They were I was on the sidewalk and they were sitting in their vehicle warming up, uh, running, idling Um and the two of them were sitting right there and they saw it all happen and they didn't say anything. They didn't even, they didn't even like roll down the window a crack to go, hey, are you okay? None, nothing. Like nothing. They didn't do anything. They just pretended like it didn't happen. They didn't see it. It was nothing. And, you know, the fact that he's a five foot ten man, what if we, you know, had an alternate universe situation here, Sheila, where in this universe you are a six foot six man. Do you think that little coward is going to dare punch you in the back? You know, but you're female. You're an easy target. That's him being, you know, a big shot, a tough guy. And uh, like I said, go up to somebody. This is a different oh, uh, jabroni. That's this a is different DM. time. <laughs> it's a different time I was punched by a man at work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. How is old Dion Buse doing, Sheila? I don't know. I hear, according to the CBC, that his um, his uh, boutique guitar business is doing well because people during the pandemic picked up hobbies. Um, I But I often think about, you know, if I turned around and grabbed that guy at the union <laughs> protest outside of the AGM and just throttled him one, or if I grabbed Dion Buse by his little face and just cranked him one, um, sure, I, I could have done it, you know, but then what? Then what's the story? Rebel news journalist assaults protester. And the yep. fact that both of them punched me, um, th that would never make the news because, yeah. as you can see, the mainstream media for both of those events were right there. And for with Dion Buse, they didn't even produce images that they took of the assault until we said, Canadian press, we can literally see your 
photographer taking pictures of the assault on Sheila in her video footage. Where are those images? Then all of a sudden they produce them mm -hmm. after they say, oh, we don't have anything useful. The same with CTV. They're sitting in their car watching me get punched in the back by a man. And they just were like, oh, <laughs> blinders yeah. on. So the only story that would come out was, oh, Rebel News reporter gets violent with protester. Yeah, that's how they would spin it. I have no doubt. Any more chats there, Sheila? There's a few. I'm just thinking about how much fun it would have been to punch <laughs> Dion Buse right in his smug little face. Anyway, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't um, I, because I don't believe in political violence, although I do believe in self-defense. OK, let's keep going. Um, G Melinda G, 60 bucks. Or sorry, G Melinda G60 gives us two bucks. Uh, I think I read something in 2020 where the Spanish flu, more people died because of the mask, bacterial pneumonia. I think somebody named Anthony Fauci and two other people maybe signed that. I'm not sure, but what I do know is one of the remedies for the Spanish flu was going outside and getting some fresh air. And it's interesting because with the coronavirus pandemic, they're like, no, stay inside. Don't do anything. Don't get any sunlight. Don't get any fresh air. No vitamin D for you from the sun. Uh, just, you know, Netflix and chill and get diabetes from ordering in all the time. For your health, you see. Um, <laughs> Jetlass gives us two bucks. Ford and Trudeau opening electrical car factories, new schools, hospitals. No one can use. And sanctionary hotels costing a mint. Only our tax dollars going to work. But hey, us truckers are the problem. Yeah, good point. Yeah. They're still just so crazy about electric cars. Like they're just giving money to the car manufacturers to build them. They're giving money to people to buy them. And still, I think they're like at 2%. Um, I mean, you're doing your part. But I think it's <laughs> like 2% of the Canadian population or of of car sales, I think, are electric. And I think most of those are governments buying the cars to prove a point. Well, according to Elizabeth May uh, in an interview in Toronto a few years ago in which she was unchallenged, um, every second car on the streets of uh, B.C. is a Prius, a Toyota Prius. Remember that one? So that's 50% of the car inventory in B.C. are Priuses. And I think when I reached out to an auto analyst, um, Dennis DeRosier, it was actually, I think, maybe less than a percent of the cars. But, oh, well, she was just over by 49 <laughs> percent. Yeah. But listen, I have, I have nothing against electric cars and plug-in hybrids Obviously. and what have you. But um, this business of uh, government subsidies, because if they are so good— and if there is demand, they should sell themselves, especially now that here in Toronto, we're seeing, you know, the, the benchmark uh, approaching of $2 a liter gasoline. So um, that particular um, plant, that was the Honda plant in Alliston, I believe. I think it was a $1.4 yeah. billion check to Honda. And they made great automobiles at that uh, Honda Canada plant. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I think my cousin used to work there. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but does Honda, uh, I, I mean, are they on death's doorstep financially? Yeah. Uh, no, I, even they're if they very were, successful. Yeah, uh, that's right. Because, you know, usually that, I, I was only mentioning that, Sheila, because typically with Chrysler and GM, that's the benchmark to get uh, money, right? And, um, but, you know, I'm sure Honda is in a position where they can do this uh, themselves. And, and I know that is a very successful 
automaking plant with the regular cars they're making there. And um, here's some uh, here's a fun fact for you, uh, Sheila. Non-union plant, and every time they try to unionize it, it always fails. Yeah, I think that's why my cousin worked there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, it's funny because you see, um, uh, again, I don't want to give too much of the stories that I'm working on away, but I'm currently going through the list of cars driven by the ministers and the deputy ministers and department heads. And so these aren't their limos. These are the cars that are owned by the taxpayer that the public puts the gas in and pays the maintenance on and, you know, and the ministers drive. These are basically their personal vehicles that are paid for by the taxpayer. I think out of a list of 75 vehicles, 10 of them maybe were cars. Everything else was a practical SUV. The kind Mm. they tell me is killing the environment and only one was electric. It was a Chevy Volt. So I hope they have a fire extinguisher on board because I think those had a problem with setting on fire. And Sheila, not only are they uh, big SUVs, typically Chevy Suburbans, like you said, um, there's typically with uh, Justin Trudeau's entourage, seven of them. And wherever they go, they never kill the engine. Right. So and idling emissions are the worst kind of emissions if you compare a car idling to a a car on the highway, for example. But here we have these humongous SUVs with V8 engines constantly idling. And for what reason? In case they have to make a quick getaway? Like, seriously? How much time? Go ahead, The list of cars that I'm going through, these aren't even their entourage vehicles or their limos or their town cars or anything where they get driven around. These are the ones that they choose for the taxpayer to pay for. And I think that's important because when given the choice, even they don't choose an electric vehicle. (laughs) They don't. They choose a Toyota Highlander or, um, you know, one of the cars was a Chrysler 300, but it was the all wheel drive one. So, um, you know, like they're not choosing little cars. They're choosing SUVs, um, Subarus. um, That's what they're choosing. Only one was a Chevy Volt. And again, I reiterate, I hope whoever that is, I hope they have a fire extinguisher on board. (laughs) Did I freeze up? Oh, Sheila, are you frozen? I think you are. Uh, Well, folks, uh, all I can say is that we're already past one o'clock. Sheila is uh, frozen somehow. For those of you... I'm back. Oh, you're back? Okay, then. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, uh, Starlink is letting me down a little bit. Um, But it's still better than whatever I had before. (laughs) Okay, we've got a super chat from Joyful from the Heart, a buck. Hi, Sheila and David. I sent the link below about reporting vaccine injuries. I believe it's legit as an anti-jab physician friend shared it. Can you check it out? Yeah, the link you sent me is for vaccineinjurysupport.ca, the English version. And this is a program funded by the Public Health Agency of Canada and administered by RCGT Consulting, Inc. I wonder what that contract is worth. By the Mm. way, I should pull that. Um, What is that? RCGT Consulting. I'll see if I can find that. I'm just curious how big of a program this needs to be um, to report vaccine injuries, according to the Public Health Agency of Canada. If it's enormous, that tells me that there's a big problem here. Yeah, good point. Um, And Scott, not two T's, gives us five bucks. 
the pro lockdown guys in Calgary carry signs like no hate and read a book. I carry a sign telling them to read three of the books I've read, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey is the first. Yeah, they always have signs like, um, what is it? Hate has no home here. What does that even mean? Are there people out there who are like, no, hate, uh, excuse me, hate, uh, you need a place to stay for tonight? Come on in. Like, it's just so dumb. It's just empty virtue signaling. Sheila, in the last five years that I've been reporting on the field with these Antifa light groups, the people that have love Trump's hate signs, they are the most hateful people I've ever encountered. They are unable. They are unable to answer a fair question without profanity, without lunging at the camera. They're full of hate. You know, they talk a mean game. Yeah. I think actually, Olivia, unless we have anything left, I think we're all caught up now. And it's eight minutes past the top of the hour. All right. Well, thank you so much to all those who uh, contributed with a super chat. That's how we uh, keep the lights on here. I think tomorrow another rebel will be here. Uh, maybe even Ezra. He's been popping in on the odd Friday. So there, there's a, there's a happy St. Patrick's Day uh, note for you. And uh, I want to thank uh, Olivia and Efren behind the board. And, of course, my co-host, Sheila. We will be back, that Sheila and I, next Tuesday. In the meantime, folks, stay sane. At certain other periods of time and for, you know, reasons that only these folks could explain to you, you know, they were going to places like Chinook Mall and, and protesting inside when there were uh, public health restrictions on. Uh, now we've seen the movement from, uh, you know, from Stephen Avenue to a march route over to 17th Avenue. And so this has continued to evolve. We're dealing mostly with people on foot, large crowds of people on foot. You know, and I think at the Edmonton protests, they were dealing with, you know, smaller numbers of people on foot, but I think as high as 680 vehicles involved honking horns and this type of thing. So a bit of a different police response required. So I can tell you that we're certainly looking at uh, at our response to the situation as it is now, but recognizing that it's it's been evolving throughout. Um, so we'll need to be agile enough to continue to evolve with it. But I can tell you the greatest uh, the greatest challenge in relation to it is that, again, protesting is de facto legal. It's just that fine balance between making sure you're allowing people their charter rights, whether you agree with uh, what they have to say or not, and then and then dealing with uh, making sure you're balancing off those rights against those of people living in uh, communities like the Beltline.